Hi, and a warm welcome to all of you. Glad you could join Digital Dump. My name is Kate Pohl, and I'm an advisor, facilitator, and coach with a rich background in commercial banking. My partner is Stephen Batiste, who is part of Meta's software engineering leadership and a tech wizard. Today, it is our absolute pleasure to welcome Eleanor Hill, editor of Treasury Management International. Welcome, Eleanor. Thank you, Kay. It's so good to be here with you on Digital Dump. So yeah, appreciate the invitation and I look forward to our discussion today. Great. Thank you. Okay. Eleanor, I want to start by asking you a few questions about yourself. So first of all, can you give us a little background on your experience to date? Yeah, sure. So um, I have, for my sins, been writing about corporate treasury since 2007, uh, which makes me feel very old just because <laughs> having that come out of my mouth. Um, I've been editor at TMI since 2018. Can't believe how quickly that time has gone. Uh, previously editor at Treasury Today and then FX and Money Markets magazine. So lots of editing experience. But before that, I actually worked in private wealth management. And that was my first grog job after graduating oh. from uni. Yeah. OK, private wealth management. I didn't even realize that. I, I, I'm writing these things down, of course. OK. <laughs> um, and but I have to ask you about one thing, because I noticed that you also did a language degree. So uh, like me, I did it in uh German literature yeah what about you yeah yeah I love our language connection so yeah. I studied French with Italian so it's 75% French 25% oh. Italian um absolutely loved it I was at the University of Warwick lots of people find that quite strange you probably have the same thing Kate when people find out like okay you you work in finance but you didn't do a degree in anything related to finance or economics or even business yeah. so you know how did that come about but I guess I always just loved languages. It was always something that felt very natural to me. And it's it's really all about good communication. So for me, there's a lot of transferable skills from studying languages, oh. including that kind of welcoming of cultural traditions of others and, and yeah. uh, different sort of aspects of um, culture and different ways of thinking about things. And that's so important in the workplace. So, yeah, I think if anyone's out there thinking about studying languages or has a child or a relative wondering about reading languages at university, I'd say absolutely go for it. It's been yeah, amazing it's, for me. You yeah. know, it's like it's like studying um, theatre. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes you get these questions and my son is a is an actor, singer, dancer, but you know, he a lot of his colleagues studied uh, theater and used it really as a platform for other things they were going to do and it made them very articulate, very art exactly. going and open. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Did did you find that transition though difficult? I mean, you know, we talk about it being a good basis, but you know, it is a little bit of a gap, you know, from <laughs> language to uh, writing about treasury. I have to tell you in between, I did my MBA in finance. So I sort of, you know, yeah. I did it, you know, I could say I did it the easy way. I'm not going to say that was easy, <laughs> but you know, I, I had a transitioner there. It is a bit of a steep learning curve. So when I came back from, I did my university experience, then I moved out to Paris and spent a few years out there just kind of doing student jobs and moved back and just needed a job. So that's how I fell into the private wealth ah, management side of things. Okay. And from there, I did various exams for the firm that I was working at. So I did my investment management certificate. I did some regulation and compliance exams for the Securities Institute. Um, so there was a lot of learning that happened happened there um but also a lot of learning about treasury when I got to treasury today so there was um 
a great guy there called John Nicholas, who um, gave me an excellent introduction to Treasury. And I also attended a Euro finance course on cash management uh, for two weeks. So uh, that okay. gave me a very good grounding. <laughs> um, and it's funny, so that was that was absolutely years ago, but I still have two friends from that that two-week course who I'm still in touch with. One of them is still in Treasury, one of them isn't still in Treasury. But it's so nice that it kind of forged those bonds during that time learning about Treasury as well. Absolutely. Okay. All right. If we look at today's Treasury, back to our subject, um, what do you see as some of the key topics that need to be addressed? In other words, yeah. issues, challenges, opportunities. I, sometimes I like to call them the mega trends. <laughs> There's so much. I think we need like three hours to absolutely. Eat, it all in. <laughs> Honestly, it's absolutely this so much going on I really feel for treasurers at the moment so there's all of the standard stuff there's all of the things that's nothing new it's cash and liquidity management especially with inflation still very high and interest rates and people are looking at how that's impacting them there's everything that's going on with supply chains and risk management there the fx volatility is high um, people sort of readjusting their hedging etc there's loads of regulation out there that treasurers are having to keep an eye on as well we've got standard stuff for around sort of fraud and cybersecurity. So really those core tasks of the treasurer are still there and those fundamentals I think are needed more than ever in this very challenging environment. But then we've got all of the kind of exciting, maybe slightly sexier things that are going on, particularly with technology changes. So we've got APIs, we've got AI, ML, DLT, tokenization, <laughs> you know, so there's loads going on in that space. All of that is, some of it's very much happening now, some of it's coming down a little bit down the line, um, but I think treasurers can't be afford to be sort of left behind there. Then we've got off the back of that, there's a lot of payments and collections changes that are happening, instant payments, digital wallets, we've got CBDCs business model changes then of course you've got the esg and dni side of things which is yeah, um, so becoming we'll, we'll get we will get back to we that will, not we to, will we'll go worry. into that yeah <laughs> and then the final thing i think is that the talent is changing the talent pipeline is changing and, and the future of work is changing as well so there's all of those kind of traditional right. things that the treasury is used to doing but then there's these huge macro changes happening kind of in the consumer world that are then filtering into the corporate world and the role of the treasurer so it's, it's never a dull day to be had in a treasury uh, no and it seems like it's it's really speeding up i think the velocity is. is changing you know yeah. so not just changes but the velocity is changing i'd like to take you back just for a second to what you said on cash and liquidity management i mean you mentioned it first everyone sort of says you know basis uh you know getting that you know the the view your understanding of what cash yeah. is out there has to be the basis of everything else you do um, just a question from your experience. Uh, some of the surveys I've been looking at say, you know, number one, you know, automation. Mm -hmm. Number two, you know, cash visibility. Number three, cash forecasting. Um, how do you, how saturated do you think the market is? And I know, you know, this is this is you know really off the cuff. So, uh, <laughs> how saturated do you think the market is in terms of treasury management systems or treasury management software? Yeah, you and know what, there's to be a big big topic all of a sudden again, or you know, it is. It's it's something that treasurers are struggling with a lot because there's the 
there's the core sort of systems vendors out there that we've known and loved for ages and some of them are moving on very rapidly um, and they're really embracing things like apis and creating api marketplaces so that treasurers can use the core system but also have these funky functionalities that they can go and pick from an api marketplace and that's sort of connecting them to fintechs who have uh, specific niche products that they can bring in so that's very exciting but i think yeah there's it, some of it's a little bit stale as well some of the system vendors are maybe a little bit further behind um the banks are also trying to get in on the act so we're seeing a lot of tie-ups where they're integrating sort of cash flow forecasting solutions into the bank platform so that's quite interesting I don't think anyone's found the ultimate answer to treasury technology yet by any means. I think there's still a long way to go. And fintechs are becoming very interesting now. So maybe five years ago when we started talking about fintechs in a kind of proper capacity, right. people were still quite worried about it and the risk, you know, the risks associated with working with a fintech. I think we're seeing more and more tie-ups with fintechs, not only banks and vendors tying up with fintechs but actually corporate treasurers going direct to fintechs now so there's no kind of middleman as it were um so that's changing the game but for me yes it is still maybe a little bit oversaturated there isn't that one solution out there but i do think with this move towards these kind of api marketplaces that treasurers will maybe have a, a model in the future where they can pick and choose what they want rather than just being given something right so so a little bit more you know i, I don't know if the term is completely right but more a little bit more best of breed selection exactly. rather than yeah. the you know the whole monolith or the exactly. you know take the yeah. package okay yeah no fair enough thank you um excuse me one thing we try to do at digital dump is really to demystify tech and you've mentioned a little bit of tech so i'm going to come back to that now and make it easier for everyone to understand so in your view, and you mentioned a few, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to make you do it. What are the <laughs> two, maybe three most important or key technologies that you think will move the dial in the next two to three years? Yeah, it's really difficult to pick because it's it varies so much from treasury department to treasury department. And there, there are bigger things happening, like the, the move towards instant payments. And I definitely think treasurers need to be thinking about how that could uh, change things in terms of cash management for them, especially from the collection side of things. But I guess if, if I were forced to pick a couple, I think cash flow forecasting technology, it has to be up there, specifically the, the AI-driven solutions. I've seen a couple of very interesting case studies with treasurers who've who've really embraced that and it's completely changed things for them. So as I said, there's a number of standalone offerings in this space, but the banks are increasingly offering these services as well. Excel's still useful, of course it is, but for companies of a certain size and with those multinational operations, this kind yeah, of complexity, be, right? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be invaluable in, in this sort of scenario when there's so much focus on cash flow forecasting and using those AI tools just to run all of these scenarios at the touch of a button. That if you were trying to get a person to do it, it would you know be virtually impossible. So I think that would probably be my number one. So at the and when you say that, just to make it sort of concrete in my mind, but sort of the scenarios that you would expect, say the CFO or even the CEO to want to see the answers yeah. to, right? Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happens if X, Y, Z happens? Right, exactly. The what, the whole what ifs, you know, yeah. so you can really quick planning tool. 
yeah you can, you can plug in all kinds of variables and right. uh, you, you can put in you know all sorts of different things that you'd never really be able to do manually or it certainly would take you an awful long time if you didn't have that ai to do it so they're very very interesting um and potentially huge savings there as well and they're becoming a lot more affordable for people which is the great thing um my second tech it has to be APIs, I think, but, you know, there's always caveats around tech there. <laughs> there always are. APIs are certainly not for everyone and they're definitely not a silver bullet, um, but they can connect systems seamlessly. They can offer sort of alternatives to those monolithic TMSs that we spoke of with the, yeah. the API marketplaces coming up. And I think they're offering very easy connectivity for a lot of people there's still issues because there aren't api standards so you know people are having to connect with multiple vendors in different ways and there's there's a lot of challenges there uh, but i think there's also huge potential around apis to offer a lot more seamless connectivity and you can get those on-demand calls into your bank so if you, you need some information you can just press a button and it comes back <clears throat> instantly um, and also apis for sort of initiating payments straight from the tms so you don't have to go onto the banking portal etc etc so just making things a lot easier for treasurers although as i said there are caveats and they're definitely not the answer to everything right understood <clears throat> excuse me um you know we talked a little bit more about ai machine learning in yeah. terms of the cash forecasting piece is there anything else you would you would add there um <laughs> It's, yeah, this is again like how long? Chat GPT. Oh, I said that word. I said that word. <laughs> this is exactly what it is. So the, the generative AI is so interesting at the moment. You know, I'm kind of hesitant to say that it's a, a revolution. I think there's huge transformational power there for sure, but with limitations and the need for the human touch will always be there. So chat GPT, let's talk about it because we have to, because it's everywhere right now. It's all over LinkedIn. So GPT is generative pre-trained transformer. Uh, as the name suggests, it's a sort of pre-trained AI-based chatbot and it basically creates content. Um, but, you know, I've, I'm I'm in two minds about it. So I'll, I'll look at it from my perspective and then I'll give you a bit of a, a treasury potential perspective on it. So okay. my point of view, when it, when it first came out, so it was November, you know, all my friends and, and people that know, we were saying, oh, you'll be out of a job, you know, all, AI it can just write all of the articles for you. ChatGPT is just going to take your job away. And for me, I was a bit like, well, A, it doesn't fact check things properly. B, it doesn't source different opinions from the market. And there's huge kind of room for bias there, which is quite scary. See, it's going to spew out pretty much the same content for everyone. So huge risk of plagiarism and just duplication. And D, it doesn't make things interesting. So you've got none of that punny headline, no grabbing introduction. You know, it's not a story. It's just a bunch of words. So that's from my, my personal point of view. I do think, yes, there's there's potential there, of course, if it were a good tool for finding out information then yes i'd use it and i'm not not closed off from it um and i think that's probably where treasurers need to be as well like you can see the potential for it but you've got to approach it with a lot of cynicism particularly at this early stage so i definitely don't see something like chat gpt replacing the treasurer but with the right controls and rigor I think it could help in certain ways. So there's a treasurer I know who recently posted on LinkedIn about this. They actually are 
asked chat GPT how it could apply in treasury, which was, I think, maybe just an interesting experiment more than yes. anything, although there were a few yes. answers there. Yes. But I, I recently commissioned a blog for TMI on this topic because we're hearing so much about it. Um, uh-huh. So from com- from some computing specialists and they sort of identified three areas so a couple of them are to do with the banking experience so that you know you'll get a much better experience of using those virtual tools and those self-service tools for from your banks like the payment tracking tools etc so kind of just helps in that customer experience side of things they Mm -hmm. also thought we might see hyper personalization in investments and derivatives so that the the ai would be able to take the needs of the corporate into account much better and suggest sort of one-off solutions and um, particularly as trends such as tokenization take off mm-hmm. so that you'll get much more targeted investment and derivative suggestions which could be interesting and then the final one was around improved risk assessment capabilities and deployment of capital so that we'll see sort of superior capabilities around assessing risks. Um, It could be monitoring fraud threats. It could be seeing what um, opportunities there are in digital assets. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically better decision-making around the deployment of financial capital. But they also thought that you could potentially use something like um, generative generative AI to determine how to use employee intellectual and social capital more efficiently so lots of little nuances there where it it could come in handy but I think the the thing that the experts underline in this blog which hopefully will be out by the time uh, the podcast is out so people can have a little look is that it's it's a it's it's very early days and b If you're trying to build something like this yourself, there's huge requirements for it. You know, you need so much knowledge in-house. Data, 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 data. As, yeah. as well as the data, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't see it changing the game for treasurers at the moment, that's for sure. Okay, understood. Um, la- last technology question, uh, metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The treasure and the metaverse. I mean, I have to say I'm skeptical about a lot of this, but I'm going to still throw it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have to talk about it, right? And again, I'm kind of in two minds about it. So I think I have a personal (laughs) view as me, Eleanor Hill, and I have a professional view as editor of TMI. So personally, I have absolutely zero interest in the metaverse. (laughs) Um, I'm an outdoorsy person. I live in the countryside. I can't think of anything worse than spending my time online in a virtual world, okay? But professionally, yes, of course, I see the opportunities and there's potential for huge revenue streams coming from the metaverse. I know someone who designs trainers for to be sold in the metaverse and they're, they're doing extremely well just on the design phase of things. Um, and some of the banks have, have obviously been early movers here. JP Morgan, for example, has gone really early, really hard on the metaverse and others have followed suit. But for treasurers, you know, I personally think there's more pressing priorities right now. I have spoken to a few treasurers about it. Um, Some of them are sort of semi-interested and potentially see it as a good place for enhanced meetings and training experiences. Yeah, I was just going to hear where I've heard the one thing I've heard over and over is training. Yeah. That that is possibly, um, you know, a really, it's an interesting 
forum yeah. for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, particularly when you've got remote teams, people who are dispersed across the globe, it's somewhere you can bring people together and and they're not just sitting in front of a computer and probably scrolling on the phone while they're supposed to be listening to a presentation, you know, they're yeah. actually interacting. So, and you can go through different scenarios and, and sort of pan things out as if it were real life. So yes, that's potentially interesting, but I think it, at this point, very much watch and wait um i don't think treasurers particularly need to be yeah it's so high it. up on that list right i think now. there's other priorities yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Other, we have other problems right now okay very yeah. good if i i want to come back and pick up something you said about talent and you know the changing market for talent yeah, in the future yeah. of work um you know seeing it through a few different lenses including if you will you know ai or technology but where do you see all that going yeah, you know, I think there's undoubtedly going to be a call for treasury candidates with experience around AI and wider sort of data analytics. I think new jobs will actually open up within treasury and some of the really large treasury teams we deal with. So you're talking like 35 people just in the treasury team. Wow. They, okay. Yeah, yeah, like at that really large end, we're seeing mm -hmm. some of them have technology specialists and leads within the team so literally their sole role is to look after the treasury tech and ensure that treasury is using the most innovative tech possible wow and okay. obviously that's a hugely privileged position to be in right now yeah. loads yeah. of treasury departments do not have that they don't have that budget but i think that shows you how important tech is going to be in the future yeah. of treasury so i see that kind of persisting and evolving but we can't forget about existing team members and we need to make sure that they're being upskilled um, and making sure that training is ongoing and hopefully AI can take away some of the boring mundane treasury jobs and leave humans to do the exciting right part. yeah I mean I heard I heard a story I don't know if this resonates with what you've heard but I heard from um, uh, actually a consultant uh, of working with say treasuries in the US where you this was his example anyway where you have say a junior uh, person who is assisting the assistant treasurer and all of a sudden they're keying in every morning data for an hour or two and they say yeah. I'm done with that job I'm not going to do it you know yeah. I, this is boring and not fun and so that's how I should have also got the whole theme of automation which I then find in these studies that it make it resonates with me um they don't want to do the boring, stupid, mundane, repetitive. No. Why would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there's ways to get around it. So let's, you know, let's find them, right? Yeah, absolutely. People aren't <laughs> prepared to put up with kind of like you say, no value add anymore. And they want to exactly. be doing interesting things all of the time. So companies need to be on that and making sure that they are embracing automation as much as possible, for sure. <laughs> I'd like to go to ESG. You know, you, you yes, mentioned it, or we, we mentioned it as a, as a word, and I know it's a topic that's really important for you. So maybe just as a conglomerate, talking a little bit about what ESG is, what it encompasses, yeah. and, you know, then moving it towards to, you know, treasury and finance, what's, uh, yeah, you know, why is important for those areas? Yeah, I think it's important to just kick off with a, a bit of a definition around yeah. ESG because a lot of people just see it as a kind of soft, cuddly thing and not particularly tangible and very much to do with marketing or they know it from a greenwashing perspective. Um, and also people quite often just focus on the, the green side of things rather than the rest of it. And it's really important to look at all of the elements so that the environmental side, the E side of things is obviously around greenhouse gas emissions, landfill waste 
etc etc that one's fairly obvious social it can be corporate social responsibility like philanthropy community work it also extends into how you treat your employees so well-being diversity and inclusion workplace health and safety um and potentially cyber risk management actually falls into that bucket as well ah, okay. there's a lot of ethical and human rights concerns around data privacy and data security so that kind of trans it uh, goes across the two buckets uh, cyber risk it also goes into governance obviously mm -hmm. which is about kind of making sure you've got the right policies having the right decision making in place and all those things in governance sort of impact the organizational structure oversight transparency and reporting so there's a lot of different things that fall into mm -hmm. each bucket but it's very important to look at them as a, an umbrella rather than separate pieces um and for treasurers like it's really kind of the world is your oyster so things are massively evolving in this space even over the last sort of three years it's evolved from just the basic green bonds maybe is what we saw first and now we've got green and social bonds and loans green and sustainable deposits esg mmfs we've got sustainable supply chain finance programs so that's where you get sort of incentives offered to suppliers for meeting certain esg criteria or even dni criteria so there's some firms that are kind of um working specifically with firms who are minority owned or women owned and trying to support them better through different SCF programs. So that's quite exciting. It's also moving into the FX world. So we've got ESG linked FX derivatives where you have to meet certain KPIs. Um, so really is a whole new world opening up for treasurers there. And it's very much how you want to engage. It's, it's up to you whether you're, you really embrace it. But if your organization is one of those who, that's very forward thinking on ESG, it's absolutely a, a sort of matter of sooner rather than later in terms of getting involved in these things. And I think a lot of the banks are also becoming proactive at, at talking about ESG as well. Yeah, they are. I'm not sure they really... Oh, I got to be very careful. Politically correct here. I'm not sure they always know what they mean when they're doing it, but yes, yes no, I've, I've noticed they have. They have. They have. There's there's some of them that are very good. Um, yeah. They've got um, people who are extremely knowledgeable about it. They've thought very long and hard about their product offerings. There are others who are sort of earlier in the journey. And yes, there's bandwagoning of course there is there is with everything and you know go from greenwashing to exactly into the the world of greenwashing um but you know it is early days and and regulation is still coming so that's well you you said the word talk about regulation please because i know you also are quite an expert here and i think that's something that scares everyone it doesn't matter whether you're a bank yes. or a corporate etc that you know what's coming what do you have yeah. to worry about what do you have to report how you know how do you learn these things the whole nine yards yeah oh, honestly there's so much going on definitely not an expert but I, I write about it a bit so at the moment it's it's very tough because there's no single body in charge of ESG regulation you know when what we really need is as ever like with payments like with everything else we need a global standard and we, we do not have that and we're also at a very early stage of ESG becoming kind of mainstream so like we've said greenwashing is a huge issue but of course it is people will always 
jump on the latest trend they'll always hype themselves up and it's um it's very easy to sit and poke holes in what people are doing around ESG or to sort of write it off as a, a marketing tool like, like we've said but there's actually a lot of good going on behind the scenes too but yes more regulation is needed it's coming there's over 500 pieces of ESG regulation currently being discussed oh across the globe so that gives <laughs> okay. you a Oh, kind of a, yeah a little idea of of what's going on but for for treasurers particularly in Europe there's maybe three that I'd highlight so the first is the EU taxon sorry EU taxonomy um and the corporate sustainability reporting directive so CSRD so that came into force say on, that three times faster I know yeah. there's so many acronyms when you get to ESG <laughs> regulation yeah. and reporting. sorry I didn't I didn't mean to, to stop you so CSRD CSRD, yeah, so Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, which comes under the EU taxonomy, uh, came into force on the 5th of January this year. And it's basically the successor to the NFRD, so the Non-Financial Reporting Directive. And it sort of modernizes and strengthens rules around social and environmental uh, environmental information that companies have to report. Um, it's aimed at making it easier for investors and stakeholders to have the information they need first companies will have to apply the rules um, for the financial year 2024 for the reports published in 2025 and there's a bit of a staggered kind of approach to it uh, it's basically elevating sustainability reporting to the same level as financial reporting for the wow. first time so yeah it's a huge step um, and big. there are a lot of treasurers who will probably be getting involved in that and ask questions because they're so used to doing the financial reporting side of things and companies need people who are on it and able to assist. So it's likely that a lot of treasurers will kind of be asked questions if not involved in that directly. Um, the, the next one I'd highlight is unique to Germany. So it's the German Supply Chain Act. But I think what's important here is that it's kind of very much a vision of what's to come across the EU and potentially across the globe as well. So again, January this year, new Supply Chain Act in force in Germany. Um, it's for companies with more than 3000 employees initially. And it lists 11 internationally recognized human rights that companies must no longer violate. So it includes bans on child labor, slavery, forced labor. And you kind of hope that these things were sort of normal already, but they're really, really? not. Um, and there's a lot more rules. There's going to be a lot more monitoring. So there's a, a new federal office of economics and export control that will carry out auditing um, for companies reporting under this and they'll have risk-based inspections and in case anyone thinks it's all a lot of nonsense you probably need to have a look at the potential fines so up to eight million euros or two percent of annual global sales if, wow. if sounds like gdpr <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so you know there's a lot coming there um and treasurers again will probably be involved in that in one way or another just making sure that supply chains are where they should be particularly if you've got an scf program that's in place is that for companies that are are german in other words incorporated or are doing business in germany yeah, Both? as far as I know, it's it's German Incorporated at the moment, okay. um, but they're mm -hmm. looking to extend it. Of course it. they are. Yeah, so it's certainly one to watch. <laughs> Thorough Germans, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final one I'd highlight is the work of the ISSB. So this is the International Sustainability Standards Board. They're kind of the sister 
organization to the IASB, so dealing with IFRS standards. Mm-hmm. And um, they've recently said that companies are going to have to disclose scope one, two, and three greenhouse gas emissions when they're reporting on their sustainability metrics. So the scope three is value chain emissions. So it's basically what everyone's up to in your supply chain and what their greenhouse gas emissions are like. So it's incredibly difficult to monitor that. Um, and it's going to be really, really challenging for people going forward. So there's a lot of focus on that at the moment. Um, it includes sort of how supply chains are financed as well. So this is potentially where treasurers may uh, get involved. So it's just one to watch out for, really. It's all ongoing at the moment, but I think there's going to be a lot more focus on scope three emissions. And as I said, it comes back to that sort of sustainable SCF angle. So certainly a lot going on and a lot to look out for. And I would definitely engage with sort of banks consultants and also any sustainability people within your organization just to check that you're up to speed no absolutely um i'd like to to shift gears just a bit here um when you think of treasury uh i mean i have two sides to the coin i want to ask you about what uh treasury professionals probably aren't focusing on that they should Mm -hmm. and on the other hand i want to ask you about what um treasury professionals feel banks should be doing better or maybe that they aren't so but let's start with the treasury professionals what should they be focusing on uh or giving airtime to that they're not right now yeah uh, it's a tough one. I think treasuries are doing an amazing job in a, a very difficult market um, and they're giving as much time as they can to things. But I want to come back to something that I mentioned earlier, which was the fintechs. Um, I definitely think there's more out there for people to discover. And you don't necessarily, like I said, you don't have to sort of access a fintech via a bank or via a vendor anymore and there's a lot of fintechs that are now having direct relationships with corporates very successfully um and i do think there's some sort of relatively easy wins out there so i i would encourage people to sort of explore the fintech world see what's out there get some case studies speak to your peers working with fintechs um So at TMI, we have our innovation lab where we Mm -hmm. showcase different fintechs. Um, We sort of say a little bit about what they do and how they can help you. So if anyone wants to have a look, head over there. Um, But definitely I would encourage treasurers to explore the world of fintechs a little bit more. Okay. Um, Very fair. I think, I mean, there's always that element of sort of challenging the status quo or what used to be best practice, but I'm, as digitalization has come forward and has moved on a, a massive pace, I'm not entirely sure that treasury fundamentals have moved on at the same pace and also treasury training. Um, and I do worry about that, whether like the training that we've, we're giving people is right for the environment that we're in now, um, because there's a, a an argument today that is actually is centralization the right answer for a treasury anymore you know in the world that we have now where we can bring things together without sort of having to be in the same location do we need treasury centralization actually is it better to have a semi-decentralized treasury and there's there's sort of ongoing arguments about this and i'm having various discussions with people and we're in the middle of writing uh, standardization of versus centralization yeah yeah exactly um, um mm-hmm. but it's i think my my message to treasurers would be like yeah just because that's what we've 
I've always talked about as the Nirvana. Mm -hmm. Is it actually anymore? Have things moved on? And again, look at that training that you're giving to your your new employees and younger employees. And is it appropriate for the world Mm -hmm. that we're now operating in? Okay, fair enough. Now I want you to take the lens of the treasurer or your combined treasurers that you know, looking at their bank or their key banks and saying, you know, if you want to keep this position with us, this is what we expect from you. And Mm -hmm. if you would look at it sort of from the payments lens, because I think that's that's a key one. So or payments, um, maybe liquidity. What could a bank be doing better? I mean, you mentioned one thing that sort of stuck in my mind right away that that smart banks are uh, working more closely, say, with fintechs or yeah. with startups to provide services that may not all be made here, but yeah. um, are, you know, are better or much more, you know, fit for purpose. What would you what would you think that treasurer would tell, you know, whisper in the oh, bank? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> not entirely sure what to say to that one hold on I have to have a little think about that yeah I mean it's it's hard I mean what I've what what I was thinking of you know one of the first things that came to my mind was something like um you know a better a better customer interface that banks tend to make interfacing with their corporate hard or uh you know the second one was the one that we just talked about that you mentioned I was just wondering if anything you know really snapped to mind if not you know don't worry uh, uh, I mean I think it is that thing of kind of making yourself a a supermarket rather than a corner shop and you know you've got to have you've got to have the whole range of products you've got to have the whole range of solutions available for people um so you don't just want a narrow range of things you don't want proprietary solutions like you say you want an amazing customer experience so in the corner shop you can only maybe pay with cash but when you go to the supermarket you can do everything you can do a seamless you can scan in with your qr code you can not even pay for anything in certain supermarkets you can do that seamless walkout um in certain stores now and so i think that's what corporates are increasingly looking for for the from their banks is that kind of we want everything on offer we don't want it to be tied down we want it to be as seamless as possible but obviously for the banks that's quite challenging um i think you also need that consultancy side of things from the banks more the advisory side of things so um, if we look at APIs, for example, for, for a moment, yes, there's a lot of banks kind of pushing their API connectivity. But if you're a corporate, what you want is actually for your bank to say, well, yes, we offer this API route, but looking at it for you, we think that this might actually be a more appropriate right. route. Right, right. So I think okay. don't, definitely... don't, don't get rid of all your, your your connectivity that you have today just to go API. Just make yeah, sure it makes yeah sense. exactly. Yeah. So more of that sort of advisory side of things. And then just on a, I guess, a note on the sort of ESG and DNI side of things, I think corporates increasingly need to be challenging their banks, particularly around DNI. We still see there's far too many older male bankers particularly in senior positions it's it's very male pale sale um <laughs> and <laughs> i'd love to see that move on a bit and corporates there's one treasurer i know and she insists that the the team that she works with at the bank are a divide i do ugh, are a diverse mix so of different genders different ethnic backgrounds different ages and she won't accept anything less so it is possible for corporates to kind of be demanding of their banks and to to make their banks move on a little bit in that respect so i'd like to see that going forward as well 
That's great. Okay, so I, I still love it. Male, pale, and stale. Yes, unfortunately, that's true. I just had an incident today. I mean, I'm I'm a real stickler on this, I must admit. Somebody wrote to me and said, can you tell me about some of the girls you think are really cool in fintech? And I said, oh, do you mean the women? Women, yeah. The girls, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I said, well, I still think of myself as a boy. And I said, well, that that's sort of your problem. <laughs> Uh, I you know take that sorry I, I I just had to mention it at this point but no I, that that's that's fantastic I I so agree with you I think uh, we're moving but we're not moving all that fast I mean a bank that I've been working with pretty closely I have to say amazingly is doing just that um, yeah. they refuse to accept um, and I can't get too many details because then you'll know who it is but they refuse to accept the fact it's it's of course a woman running this division that they can't um that they can't come up to 50 50 you know on yeah. the gender question for example yeah and lo and behold it's possible because they did it so it was it was pretty amazing for me yeah but it's they're very few and far between in my very experience. few very few and yeah. far between because yeah. it takes the tone from the top to absolutely, absolutely insist and enforce it you know yeah. it's not it's not going to come bottom up here no okay now i have a few personal questions for you yeah okay? sure. get ready all right <laughs> <laughs> do you have a special phrase or watchword that guides you and what you do in your life? <laughs> um, I don't think there's a particular mantra that I would have like pinned to my wall, but I think the the thing that I try to embrace every day, whether I'm me on a dog walk or whether I'm me at work is kind of don't be afraid to be different. <laughs> um so I guess growing up with red hair you kind of <laughs> get used to standing out a little bit in the crowd and uh, the ginger <laughs> my sister think, has a redhead <laughs> yeah I think it's really important to kind of always be you and be faithful to who you are so if I see something that I don't feel comfortable with or um I I think should be maybe being but done a, a better way or a different way I'll certainly always call that out and I don't don't feel like you should just fall in line with everyone else just to just to be normal there's nothing worse than being normal in in my book you know so kind of challenge things and, and make sure that you're coming at it from a different angle that's probably me my my way of looking at life okay fair enough I love that okay don't be afraid to be different okay that's fantastic um what advice would you give? By the way, these are questions I ask, or we ask to all our interviewees. Okay. So you have to, you know, you have to do it. <laughs> what advice would you give to a beginner starting out in the corporate world today? So in, in corporate treasury, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Be curious. That's probably the number one. So ask questions. There's no silly question. Speak to peers, network massively. So take advantage of all of the national treasury associations, the wider treasury associations. So like the ACT, any events that you can go to, just be there, ask people and um, yeah, get get answers for everything that you don't understand, even if it seems like a silly question, it's absolutely not. Um, and also be conservative because treasury is a <laughs> kind of conservative profession. So like, yes, it's important to have amazing ideas um, and to think about all these things which are potentially risky, but you then have to come back to your treasury principles and kind of have a, a sensible head on at the same time. So it's getting the right balance between wanting to entirely change the world and uh, mm -hmm. making sure that the risks that you're taking are, are appropriate for the position that you hold within the company. Company, but yeah my best advice would be be curious <laughs> okay be curious ask questions learn network but 
Let's be a little bit conservative. Yeah. Okay. I got that. All right. So we're we're not on the first day, we're not going to take over the company. I got I got that part. Okay. Uh all right. So any final words, tips, tricks, or any other wisdom you'd like to leave with our listeners? Oh my goodness. No, I think they're they're doing an amazing job. I really salute treasurers out there at the moment because it's it's very hard. Um, but I think change will happen with or without you. So, you know, always have an open mind, get ahead of the curve where you can, or at least be aware of where that curve is moving to because change waits for no one. Very good. Understand. Okay. Thank you so much, Eleanor. That was so much fun and (laughs) so entertaining and so enlightening. So I think I certainly did. And I think everybody has learned a lot. So thank you. And thanks to all of you. Thanks to all of you who are listening to Digital Dump. Our aim is to tackle a topic of interest in the world of technology and financial services on a weekly basis. Digital Dump is now available on 10 platforms, including Spotify, Google, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. So if you have a topic you'd like to know more about, please let us know. So thanks and bye-bye for now. Thank you. Thank you.